0: You're listening to a message from Pastor Jack Holt at The River. This morning I want to minister to you on the topic I've called it staying on track. And I'm using this term because of the fact that sometimes when we hit trials and things in our lives, we get off track. But I'm going to share with you today that God will take every mess that you're in and turn it into a miracle if you seek Him. And it doesn't matter if the mess is because of something you did or someone else did. The fact is God is in the business of doing miracles in messes. Hallelujah. And a couple of examples I like about it the most is Jonah. Jonah got a prophetic word from God to preach to Nineveh that God was going to destroy. it. He didn't want to do it because he knew that God would move upon the people and they'd repent. So he gets on a boat to try to escape God's will. And a storm breaks out. The sailors realize God's judgment's on him. Uh, they throw him overboard, and a fish eats him. That in itself is unpleasant. Amen. But it says that when he was in the belly of the fish, that he turned to God, and God took his mess and turned it into a miracle. I mean, talk about a great way to. Perf- Prophetically speak to someone, have a fish come up to shore, vomit you out, you come out, you're all white from the acid in the stomach, and you preach a word, they're going to listen to it. Amen. And the whole city repented. he's good at turning messes into blessings. And I don't know about you, when God got a hold of me, I was a mess. And don't lie to me. When God got a hold of you, you were a mess. And God is in the business, even after we've been saved, to turn it into a blessing. Praise God. Listen, I want to show you IN THE SCRIPTURES AN INCIDENT THAT TOOK PLACE ON KING DAVID. AND YOU CAN SEE FROM IT THAT HE WAS IN A TERRIBLE SITUATION, BUT GOD TURNED IT AROUND FOR THE GOOD. SO IF YOU WOULD LOOK UP ON THE SCREEN, THIS IS FOUND IN 1 SAMUEL CHAPTER 30. AND NOTICE WHAT IT SAYS. NOW IT HAPPENED THAT WHEN DAVID AND HIS MEN CAME TO ZIKLAG THE THIRD DAY THAT THE Amalekites HAD INVADED THE SOUTH AND ZIKLAG ATTACKED ZIKLAG AND BURNED IT WITH FIRE. AND HAD TAKEN CAPTIVES THE WOMEN AND THOSE WHO WERE THERE FROM SMALL TO GREAT, AND THEY DID NOT KILL ANYONE, BUT CARRY THEM AWAY AND WENT THEIR WAY. AND DAVID AND HIS MEN CAME TO THE CITY, and, AND THERE IT WAS BURNED WITH FIRE, AND THEIR WIVES, THEIR SONS AND THEIR DAUGHTERS HAD BEEN TAKEN CAPTIVE. THEN DAVID AND THE PEOPLE WHO WERE WITH HIM LIFTED UP THEIR VOICES AND WEPT UNTIL THEY HAD NO MORE POWER TO weep. HOW MANY HAVE BEEN DEVASTATED at one of those days in your life or it seems like the worst day in your life. This is what David's going through. Now, look if you would in verse, uh, I believe it is uh, six. Can you put verse six up there, please? Verse six, thank you. Now, David was greatly distressed for the people spoke of stoning him because the soul of the people were grieved, every man for his sons and daughters, but David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. Now, watch in verse seven what happens. Then David said to Abiathar, the priest, Himelech's son, please bring the ephod here to me. And Abiathar brought the ephod to David. Now watch this next verse in verse eight. So David inquired of the Lord saying, shall I pursue this troop? Shall I overtake it? He answered him, pursue, for you shall surely overtake them and will fail or and without fail, recover All. Say that with me. I'm going to recover all. Come on, turn to your neighbor and say, I'm going to recover all. Turn to the neighbor you don't like that much and say, you're going to recover all. Now, I want you to see this. This is really powerful. I'm going to share some things about it. I've never preached before about this particular incident that David was in. First of all, I want you to see the background before he shows up. TO THIS TOWN THAT HIS 600 MEN BASICALLY DOMINATED. THEY HAD HOUSES AND HOMES AND THEIR CHILDREN WERE ALL THERE. BEFORE THIS INCIDENT OCCURRED, HE HAD A FALLING OUT WITH KING SAUL, AND IT WAS ALL OVER JEALOUSY. THE CROWD WOULD CRY OUT, YOU KNOW, uh, DAVID, uh, YOU KNOW, HAS slain THE TEN THOUSANDS AND SAUL THE THOUSANDS. AND THERE WAS A a GREAT uh, JEALOUSY BETWEEN SAUL AND DAVID TO THE POINT THAT SAUL WAS TRYING TO KILL HIM. SO HE FLED. Israel and he was trying to find a place of refuge and there was a king there a Philistine king that said come on over here You can stay in our country and I'll even give you a town that you got your men can live in and whatever And he said that because he wanted David's fighting men To help them when they got into a battle with someone else And so David was they had this town and the Philistines that they were, you know, taking care of and, and raising their families in, and they would go out from there and do good things. Well, what happened was this particular king uh, got into a battle with King Saul, which is Israel, and wanted David to help them fight the battle. Now, this means that David would have to fight his own brethren. And so David's in this predicament. If he says no to the king of the Philistines, he's going to have that king mad at him with his armies, and, uh, and he'll also have King Saul mad at him because King Saul was very jealous of him. So you can see in the situation that David was in a hard place. He was in a place that doesn't seem like there's any way out. But you know what I love about God? God won't let you be tempted beyond what you can take, but will always provide a way of escape. And as the story goes on, the commanders and the generals in the Philistine army, they went to the king and said, we will not fight with David. We will not let him fight with us. He's the guy that killed Goliath. We hate him. We hate his men. We will not go to war with them. And so that's the the background of it. And so here David, then the king says, all right, uh, the soldiers won't fight with you. So you go back home. And while they were gone, David had not left anybody to guard the city not left anybody to protect their children. He'd screwed up several different ways. He comes back, all he sees is smoke coming up. They approach, wives are gone, children are gone. They know they, at least they didn't kill them, but they're slaves. I mean, it would almost be better to be killed than to be a slave, right? And so his whole group, these 600 men, they are completely wiped out. I mean, they are really freaked out about this thing. And they got mad, and they were thinking about stoning David. This was the mess that he was in. Have you ever been in that mess where everybody's mad at you? Have you ever been in that mess where you think back, if I just would have done this, this wouldn't happen? If I just maybe would have spent more time with so-and-so, that this, they wouldn't have done this to me? That's the kind of situation that David's in here. And he cried and he wept. Until there was no more tears. But then he did something that we need to do as a church. He built himself up in the Lord, or he yeah. encouraged himself. Yes, he now, think about that for a minute. Because if you, because I believe I have a ministry for this, I believe I, one of my main ministry gifts is to encourage people. Yes. Amen? And I believe if I encourage you enough in faith, that you'll be able to recover all that's lost. All that stuff has been lost, the the time that was lost through the argument, the time that was lost through the financial setback, the time that was lost through the illness, going from one doctor to the next. I believe that you can recover it all back with interest, just like David did. But you're going to have to stand in faith. You're going to have to believe God, and you're going to have to encourage yourself in the Lord, because as long as you're down here and you're all bummed out and worried and frustrated and you're just, you know feeling sorry for you, yourself, and you know, whatever, and you're having a pity party that no one wants to go to, you're not gonna be able to hear from the Lord. But if I can just build you up enough that you will get built up enough that you can see the salvation and the power of God in your life, then everything can change then you can recover all that is lost. Someone ought to praise God right now. Right there, we're in a good mode, man. We're in a great mode in that situation. Now, let me show you something from this that I think will really enhance this and really bring you to a place of great overflow. Here's what I've learned, you have to live off low overflow. Overflow is you gotta get built up to the place where the presence of God and the Holy Spirit overflows in your life. Kind of like a dam that fills up with water. If it only half fills up, the generators are not working. If you've got a flood stage and they're just running those water through there, the compounds and, and all, the, or all the, or the machinery there's going around is generating all that power, amen? Not combine, I'm thinking of farming. But, but it produces electricity. Yes. The power of God flows in those who overflow with the spirit. Now, he encouraged himself in the Lord. How did he do that? How do you encourage yourself when you've been knocked down or sucker punched? And everything you thought would never happen, you happened happen to you. How how do you encourage yourself? We get a, a little bit of a glimpse to it in Isaiah four, or excuse me, Psalms 42, it says this, David's son Absalom had created a revolt against his father who was the king and was trying to take over the kingdom. So David had to flee out into the wilderness and out in the wilderness, he said this, why are you cast down, oh my soul? But he said this, you will receive help from God's presence. So what David would do is he would talk to himself. Now, I know when you talk to, talk to yourself, people think you're crazy, but if you wanna get encouraged to the Lord, you gotta start talking to yourself. You gotta start talking to yourself and reminding yourself of what God's word says. And if you remind yourself of what God's word says, you're gonna get more encouraged and more encouraged and get more built up and the power of God's gonna move in your life in a great way. Amen. Say amen. NOW LET ME GIVE YOU THREE VERSES THAT TALK ABOUT BEING BUILT UP. FIRST ONE IS FOUND IN EPHESIANS. COULD YOU PUT THAT UP ON THE SCREEN, PLEASE? Uh, THAT HE WOULD GRANT YOU ACCORDING TO THE RICHES OF HIS GLORY TO BE STRENGTHENED, SAY STRENGTHENED, WITH MIGHT THROUGH HIS SPIRIT IN THE INNER MAN. THE INNER MAN IS NOT YOUR SOUL, IT'S NOT YOUR BODY, IT IS YOUR NEW SPIRIT THAT WHEN YOU ACCEPT CHRIST YOU'RE BORN again. You're a brand new creation, that is the center of you. God says that God wants to strengthen that part of you. Now, the next verse is found in Jude where it says this, building up yourself on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. Now, there's several ways to get built up. One of the ways that I do because I pray in tongues is that I pray in this unknown language and I get built up the longer that I pray in it. Say amen. And the word built up is the same word used in 1 Corinthians 14 from two to verse four that says, when you speak in unknown tongues, you speak mysteries and he goes on and he says, when you're praying in the spirit, uh, your mind is unfruitful. In other words, your mind begins to rest when your inner man is praying in the spirit, not your head, not your soul, your, your, your spirit is being built up and he uses the word edified which means to be able to do something you couldn't do before so it's the same word used over in jude now people say well that's not how you get built up in the in in the faith well it is one of the ways you get built up by the faith you can also get built up by the faith by quoting scripture You can also be built up in your faith by simply offering up praise to God and thanking God for what's going on in your life. Say, Lord, I know you're greater than this. Praise God. You can get built up that way, but don't eliminate praying in tongues. There's another way you can get built up. The idea, and I like to do this, if I go to a hospital visitation, I know we can't do hardly any anymore because of COVID, but when we used to go, we'd go, and uh, say you go into someone and the doctors told them, you got stage four cancer. You're not gonna be leaving this place. You're gonna die here. And, and they say, could you pray for us, pastor? Well, my mind's going, man, I know someone who died of the same thing you had. That's what's going on in my mind. So I might say, listen, let's just pray in the spirit for a little while. And I'll pray in the spirit. And Romans eight twenty six says that when I don't know how to pray, the Holy Spirit will intercede inside of me. So I'll just pray in the spirit until I get a little bit of a direction or guidance or whatever and then pray the word over. Amen? So there's a benefit in getting your mind to rest. Now, I don't know if you're excited about this, but all of you have messes in your life. <laughs> just because you got saved doesn't mean you don't have any more messes. Because Satan will make a mess in your life because he wants you to give up on your faith. But what I'm teaching you here about encouraging yourself in the Lord will get you into a perspective, a place where you can hear from heaven. And God can go out and say, hey, God, you can recover all. If you get built up enough, your faith will be bold, it'll be courageous, and God will be able to do something outstanding and wonderful in your life. Come on, give God praise, everybody. Now, if you allow me here just for a minute, I'm going to take you a little deep here for a moment. Just take you a little bit of deep and show you something. You are a triune person. You have a body, you have a soul, which is your mind, and you have a spirit. Out of the spirit flows the issues of life. Out of your spirit, out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. Notice body, soul, and spirit. Paul talked about heaven, and I want you to think in dimension, not just in here, up there. Okay, think in dimension. Paul said that there's three heavens there's the heaven that we live in now with oxygen and all that stuff, and Satan is called the prince of the air. And then you have the second he- heaven, which is where the stars are and so forth. And that's the place where spiritual wickedness in heavenly places dwells amen and then the third heaven is the place that god dwells but you need to look at it from the view that jesus had in dimensions not in height jesus said the kingdom of god is within you he didn't say the kingdom of god was way up there and you're down here He said, the kingdom of god is within you now think about it for a minute with the body We fight against the carnality in this world, this air that we live in. We put the flesh down. With the soul, what do we do? We fight spiritual wickedness in heavenly places. In other words, we cast out every thought and imagination that comes against the calling of God, right? But heaven itself is in the middle of us. Let me say it to you this way. In the Garden of Eden, THE RIVERS CAME OUT OF THE MIDDLE OF EDEN. OUT OF YOUR BELLY SHALL FLOW RIVERS OF LIVING WATER. IT'S INSIDE OF HERE that Christ reigns in your life. That's why when you build up your inner man, you can reign with Christ. When you build up your faith in your heart, you can reign with Christ. When you build it up inside, the power of God can operate in your life in a great way. Now watch this, let me go farther with this. Your body is called the temple of the Holy Ghost. If you were to read the book of Revelation, you would discover that in heaven, there is a throne. And around the throne are 24 elders. You got the 12 patriarchs in the Old Testament. You got the apostles of the Lamb. Surround the, the throne. Your body is called the temple of the Holy Ghost. You got 12 ribs on both sides. It's symbolic of the kingdom of God. You house the kingdom of God with inside of you. When you build up your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, Christ can reign in your life. It's from the power of your spirit that God rules and reigns in your life. So we got to get built up. And I don't know about you, you get the wind knocked out of you and man, you're not in any place position to minister to people. I always tell people that serve in church, Said, so listen, don't bother serving in church unless you go to church. Because if you don't go to church, you're gonna be running on empty. You're not going to have any overflow to minister to the people that you're ministering to. You got to have God's spirit overflowing in your life. You got to be built up to minister to people. You can't just give, 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 and give. You got to keep, you got to be drunk on the Holy Spirit. You got to be drunk on the word. You need to thirst and hunger for the scriptures, for God to speak to you. Then you got something you can minister to people and there's, power in that ministry and there's breakthrough in that ministry praise God because God wants to make a miracle out of your mess and whatever you're in right now you can get with God and you can get built up by the Holy Ghost and you can get that inner man charged up and bold with God to deal with the cancer to deal with the finance to deal with the problem praise God and God can speak to you and say you'll recover all hallelujah said hallelujah man I'll tell you what when you get a hold of that it just changes you and you realize the potential that we have in Christ but a lot of us because it doesn't make any sense in our mind we don't see the value in it but you have to trust God let spiritual understanding guide your decisions not natural understanding now I want to quote to you a verse, Philippians 2:12. It says that we're to work out our own salvation. Say it with me: work out our own salvation. In other words, I can't go to church for you. I can't pray for you. You got to pray for yourself. I mean, I can agree with you. You got to. I can't worship for you. I can't be on fire for you. I can't seek God for you. All all I can do is do my part. What we've got to do is work out our salvation. Work out what God put inside of us. Work out that glory of God. Work out eternal life. Work out the anointing. Work out the power. Work it out. Work it out. One of the most devastating things to a pastor is to give people the tools to change and they don't use them. It's like selling membership to a health club. Here, it's free, take it. And you're there in the health club, two other people working out when you gave it out to a thousand people. Don't look look at me like that. I'm not telling you not to worry. I'm not telling you, this isn't about working out. It's about building yourself up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost believe in God, getting charged up for the purpose of blessings in your life. Do you realize when I'm preaching to you, I'm preaching to champions, I'm preaching to people that have made Jesus Lord light. Now, some of you haven't but the ones that have, I'm preaching to kingmakers. I'm I'm preaching to history makers. I'm preaching to to a long line of people that come from mountain movers, from giant movers. That's who I'm preaching to today. I'm not preaching to some ordinary individuals. And you gotta start believing what God says about you. Forget about what the world says. Start believing what God's word says about you. Thank you, thank you Jesus. Whew, remember the verse that says, it's unwise to compare yourself one to another. Why did he say that? Because we need to compare ourselves to what God says and not what someone else says. Think about how Jesus taught his disciples before they received the Holy Spirit. He said, listen, guys, I just, uh, you know, that fig tree just withered from what I just did. And let me give you a revelation. Whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be plucked up and cast to the sea. If he doubts it not in their heart, believes the word he has said, he says he shall have whatever he says. He didn't say the Holy Spirit would say it. He didn't say that God would say it. He said that you would say it. If you said it and you would not doubt in your heart, you could have whatever you say. That's what he told his people before they received power, before the Holy Spirit came in their life. That's what he told them. We got to believe what Jesus says, that there's no mountain there that can't be moved. There's no mess that can't be fixed. There's no disease that can't be cured. There's no problem that can't be solved. We gotta believe what God's word says. And I love that because he says, if you doubt not in your heart, not your head, anybody that stands in faith, their mind's gonna go crazy. This ain't working, don't look like it's working. Doesn't look, I don't know how it's gonna work. That's your mind, no big deal. It's your heart you have to guard. And you don't own it in your heart until you say it. So if I never say it, I don't own it. In other words, they don't find no access into my heart if I don't say it. I gotta say, no, I'm not gonna speak my doubts. I'm not gonna speak my fears. I'm gonna speak what God's word says. I've spoken to that mountain and I'm not gonna own unbelief. I'm not gonna own doubt. You know, I, I learned this years ago, being married so many years. I learned that you never tell your wife something that you are, don't think about before you speak to her. She cooks a meal and says, baby, do you like this meal? Don't you dare say you like it if it's a horrible meal that you don't like or you'll be stuck with it the rest of your life. You'll, you'll own that. <laughs> Or how about this, when you go down to the ball, she puts on an outfit. Do I look fat? Shut up, shut up. Don't say a word, don't say a word. Just say, I don't really have a comment right now or lie to her and repent later, I don't care, but don't tell her, don't tell her. Because if you tell her, you're gonna own it for the rest of your life. She's gonna burn that thing up. Come on church, hallelujah. So what you say, you own. Hallelujah. And when you're in a mess like you're in, the only way out is to build yourself up, get direction from God, and exercise your faith. And when you do that, something very special happens. I love in Joel 2.24 where he says that God will re- redeem the years at the canker worm. And it goes down five lists of locusts. And what he's talking about is five ways satan destroys our life and here's the promise he said that he'll restore the years that sin and destruction have eaten away at your life years years see a lot of you here didn't say and you never thought you would be in the boat that you're in today you never thought at your age you'd be, have two d- divorces behind your belt you never thought when you got married your kids were going to give you such a bad time. You never thought that someone would be on drugs. You never thought that you'd be having mental issues. You never thought that a doctor would say that this is incurable. You never thought that. But the devil will comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But God's word in Jesus came to set us free and to bring victory out of your mess. Bring healing out of your mess. Bring deliverance out of your mess. Hallelujah. And it doesn't mean that you did Anything wrong, you just may be around other people that made bad decisions. Amen? But God says, I'm going to use that and create in creating you a special blessing. I'm going to do something new in your life that's going to transform your life, that's going to bless other people. Come on, church, is that good? He wants to bless you in the situation that you're in right then. Hallelujah. Turn to Never say he wants to bless your mess. He wants to, come on, turn to someone else say, he wants to bless the, the mess someone else made. Hallelujah. hallelujah. Say hallelujah. hallelujah. Let me get, let me, let me bring this down. I'll, I'm gonna give you an illustration of a man that was a very devout Christian. And his name is Alexander Fleming. And what's unique about this man is that he's a very devout Christian And he worked for a Christian hospital. And he was one of the scientists that were doing experiments on bacteria and so forth. But one of Alexander's problems was he was a slob. He was messy, brilliant mind, but very messy. One day he was working on bacteria and had it in the the Peacher Bowl doing the experiment. And it was the day that he went on vacation. So rather than clean up, he just set it aside. And he went on vacation and he came back. When he came back because he hadn't cleaned up, the bacteria in the petri bowl had grown all over the bowl except on the mold. And right then, he got a lightning revelation. And it was through him that they discovered penicillin. Did you hear what I said? The wonder drug during that time. 800 to, or 800 million people's lives were saved when he discovered penicillin. He got two things out of it, penicillin, and he hired a maiden. (laughs) Now, I don't know what's in your petri dish, But I know this, that God is merciful. And God can take your accidents and turn them into blessings. God can take your setbacks and set you up for success. God can take the pain in your life and make you one of the most blessed and encouraging. See, I'm preaching to myself here. I was in a mess when Jesus found me. AND NOW I HELP PEOPLE CLEAN UP THEIR MESS. SEE, GOD'S NOT DONE WITH YOU YET, AND GOD WANTS TO DO SOMETHING SPECIAL IN YOUR LIFE. AND ALL YOU GOT TO DO IS TURN TO HIM WHEN YOU'RE IN THE PIT, TURN TO HIM WHEN YOU'RE IN THE WALLOWING IN THE MUD, WHEN IT SEEMS LIKE ALL HELL HAS BROKE THROUGH, Turn to him right there, Lord. Can you do something with me, Lord? Help me in this situation. And God will not only cause you to be born of the Spirit; He will give you a mission and a purpose in your life, and you'll be saved in a special way. Stand to your feet right now. I will tell you what, this is so exciting. That God doesn't look for perfect people. He looks for anyone that'll seek His face. You know, He doesn't say, "Wait until you develop and become perfect, then I'll use you." Usually, he doesn't do that. He ministers to us where we're at, and he does miracles in our mess. Hallelujah. Thanks for listening today. For more messages like this one, check out our podcast, River app, and our website at theriver.church. We're the river, and we're doing life together.